Welcome to Value Through Vulnerability, a podcast dedicated to putting the human back into humanity. And I'm your host, Gary Turner. Really excited and pleased to share with you uh, on this podcast a discussion between Perry Timms and myself. Perry kindly agreed to come on this podcast as part of my freedom-centred leadership role modelling badge that I'm working on with World Blue. And Perry being the inspiration that he is to myself and I know so many others, um, joined me for around 30 minutes um, to discuss a whole range of topics, um, including you know, what, what does freedom-centred leadership look like to him, who does he see in the world that actually represents free, freedom-centred leadership, and a whole range of other topics as well. And I really believe you'll find this really fascinating, interesting, and for me personally, yeah, I, I, I learnt even more about um, the depth and breadth of Perry, what he believes in, and the difference he's trying to make in the world. So settle down. Enjoy the podcast, and I look forward, and I'm sure Perry would also look forward to any feedback. Thank you. So, hello, Perry. So, good evening, mate. How are you? I'm really good, thanks, Gary. Fantastic. Yeah, um, yeah, there's lots of exciting things, so yeah, totally good. Good, fantastic. Well, thanks for joining me tonight. And so, the, the, the main purpose for this for this chat is really around um, needing to select somebody as part of my World Blue Freedom Centered Leadership Program. And yeah. One of those badges that I'm doing is called Freedom uh, Freedom Centered Role Model, and I thought that is someone very much um, in that keeping as you. Thank someone you. Introduced me actually to World Blue and sort of sent me on this crazy path of freedom at work. Yeah. So, so yeah, you're you're certainly the person that that sticks out in the front of my mind. And what I'd just like to do this evening is just run. You know, there's a few loose questions. Yes. Uh, what I'd really like to do is just have a, a general conversation. You know. Yeah. How, how do you feel um, as a freedom centered leader? What does it look like? Do you feel you are one? What do we need more of in in, in sort of work and and leadership right. and, and that, that general sort of thing? Really. Sounds good. Sounds really good. Yeah. Perfect. Well, if I may start. Um, I appreciate, you know, as I say, you introduced me to to World Blues. You know, the, you know this stuff better than me. But I think, sort of, asking you as Perry Timms, how would you define as Perry what freedom-centered leadership looks like? What does it mean to you? Um, so I think if I if I take the view of um, before I knew it had a title, uh, mm. what I would have um, described that then people would point and go, mm, that sounds like a freedom-centered leader. Um, it, it's very much about somebody who, who sees their role not as people who are working for them, but who people are working with them all the time. So th the first thing I would say about it is the language they use would be much more about human, um, uh, egalitarian, um, equal, participative, inclusive, fair, all those sort of things would come through. So that would be the first thing I'd say as a trait. It's the language they use, which is, I think, a manifestation of the attitude that they have. And so the attitude, I think, of somebody who I would probably now know as a freedom-centered leader, and I would have described them before, is, is somebody who, who um, commits to more circles rather than um, triangulation and apex. Um, so somebody who doesn't always feel like they are pulling everybody with them, but, but they're 
working with the energy of other people so they're directing them a little bit as much as they are um, uh, sort of taking the lead and making decisions so so it, it would it would be obvious in the, in that approach they wouldn't just make a decision arbitrarily and then just say to people right this is what we're doing go for it there would be a consultative element to it that's not to sort of describe somebody being uncertain that's just describing somebody who would want that as a feature of a decision it's like, look, we've got this challenge. I've got some thoughts about it that might look like this, but let's turn that around to you. So that would be um, almost like an attitudinal and maybe even sort of um, a manifestation of it. But then I think deeply, it's somebody who's very comfortable with who they are and doesn't feel the need to assert power, um, but more is um, a power creator and a power um, channeler um, rather than somebody who holds the power. So that's almost like the spiritual bit of it. So those three elements, I think, would be a clue. The language, the attitude, and then that almost deeper sense of who they're being. Fantastic. Thank you for that. Would you, would you say at the moment, because all three of those, I would say, are, are relative challenges in the sort of world of work and yeah. the sort of political climate we're in right now. Is there any one of those, if, you, if someone was listening to you right now, that you'd say, look, you know, to be a more inclusive, egalitarian leader, this is the sort of thing I'd work on as a sort of priority over the other two things. Is there one that sort of shines out for you right now? Yeah, I suppose it would almost like predictably be that inner self sense, um, because that will direct the language and the and the actions. I think I think you can, and so to kind of quote Hermione Ibarra, you can act your way into a new way of thinking. Um, but I think you've got to, you'd have to be really comfortable to do that. And so I think it starts with like you knowing who you are and what you stand for when you're leading in that way, and then having the confidence to then show up in that manner through the language and the um, and the attitudes and the and the behaviours. So so I think it's that. I think if somebody's got to work on something, it's like work on yourself. Work on what drives you, motivates you, excites you, inspires you, challenges you. Understand all those things, and you will make a lot more sense to other people. Fantastic. Well, I can say with confidence, I'm speaking to the right person this evening in terms of role modelling, so I think you do an awful lot of that, Barry, so credit to you. Thank you. Um, in terms of sort of people that inspire you or sort of maybe evidence those traits and qualities you've just described, yeah. is there anybody or people in, in your world or maybe on a macro basis that you really look at and go, actually, yeah. they're really role modelling that for me right now? Okay. Um... Right, so let, let me try and think of, uh, outside of the obvious for, for a moment, because I mean, being connected to World Blue has exposed me and connected me to an awful lot of people who who are like this, incredibly so. But um, I'm going to try and think of some people who aren't necessarily in that world, but who have done that for me and with me, perhaps in the past. Um, so yes, okay. So here's one then, and you you know her too, um, Siobhan Sheridan. Um, an incredibly comfortable human being with who she is, um, an incredibly attentive and genuine person in conversation and in understanding who other people are, um, and and somebody who has a huge amount of credibility without ever being some kind of um, you know warrior type HR director or you know figurehead of something there's an awful lot of humility in her so she's somebody who perhaps before I knew about the world blue stuff 
who I would just kind of look at and go, oh, wow, that, you know, when I grow up as a leader, that's what I want to be. Um, so, so she stands out um, extensively. And then because of the connection to World Blue, then obviously the World Blue team and Tracy and Miranda are absolute, um, you know, epitomizer of this stuff. But they connected me to some people you'll know. So um, Gary Ridge, obviously, uh, walks this talk unbelievably so, as does Rich Sheridan at Menlo Innovations, as does Matt Perez at Nearsoft, as does Matthew Gonorin at Wyden. Um, so those really stick out. And, and I'll, I'll come up with two more. One is Bob Chapman at Barry Waymiller. I mean, just so on the money when it comes to the role of the leader as this creator of a bond of belonging in his people so when i saw him in miami a couple of years ago just blew me away and i read the book everybody matters and just every time he speaks it's like oh my goodness bob everybody needs a slice of that um and then the other one is through world blue who i saw speaking the first time was maybe 2015 and is michael tutor um who at the time was the ceo of um votenet um, and has since moved into other areas. But my goodness, the story of vulnerability, of, uh, of trying to be the hero and then realizing that's not the case and letting his guard down and letting people help guide him. Um, he's an epitomizer of this kind of approach and somebody who I just look at with a, with a sense of awe about his genuineness and his kindness and humility and his competence and confidence but in such a nice way so I, I see a lot of them and I'm lucky about that um, but yeah so Siobhan outside the World Blue family the World Blue family of course and Michael Tutor in particular. Great thanks a lot Perry just really really inspiring examples there absolutely yeah. fantastic. Yeah. What do, you, what do you think drives you as Perry to you know because you're very much you know certainly as I've known you over the last few years you're very much about inclusivity yeah you know empowerment and egalitarian that's very much your style mm. for sure. Are there any particular fears that you're able to, to share with us, or maybe a particular fear that you've had to overcome in the last number of years that's really made you feel in yourself, I now know who I truly am as Perry Timms? You know, that, yeah. your own sort of journey of self-discovery to some extent. Yeah. So, so I do think um, partly because of conditioning, maybe partly because of, uh, I suppose, the stereotypes that we attach to leadership, when there's been times when you've wanted to hold that space and be that kind of leader, you do get people who go, that's that's a bit weak, that's a bit lame, that's a bit um, uh, indecisive, that's a little bit like, you know, we, we, we want you to be the one who's setting the tone and, 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 and not this inclusive person because, you know, we, we don't know best, we think you know best. And that's a real challenge because I think you're invited then to become somebody who's like, oh, well, maybe that's what you need of me as a leader. And some might say, yeah, that's what you should be as a leader, because there are times when people are like a bit stuck and they want somebody to unstick them. But I don't like this feeling of rescuing uh, people all the time, because you can become a victim of that and, and want to rescue everybody, even if they don't need it. Um, so I've wrestled with that, um, and, and, and I've found myself being guilty of going too far towards their version of what they wanted me to be as a leader because I thought that's what you did but actually I should have held my nerve a bit and gone well but do you really really think that or is that just a bit of conditioned thinking is that even a little bit of fear in your part that you don't feel competent enough to step into a decision or taking a lead or responsibility and therefore I can help you do that 
Um, but you know, if I sense you have it in you, um, I am sensing that for a reason. And if you don't feel you've got it, then probably we need to talk about that. So I think that's been a real challenge. I've gone too near their version of it, and I've not held my nerve and thinking. But this is more this is more pure for what it is about people developing and growing and building and enabling. Um, so I, I gave in a bit too soon on that in the past. I think now I, I hold a much firmer in the nicest possible way line on that and go into inquiry mode and try and do some agency rather than some intentional direction. Perhaps I'll try and not look like I'm just going, oh, what do you think? Um, and be really predictable about it, but go, well, let's talk about that. What's going on there? What's what's in the thought process and in, in the in the sanctum of your um, uh, perspectives on it and, and just get a dialogue going and get it out because that actually reveals a whole load about them and something about you and then I think you can work with it. So that's what I would say is probably a challenge for this sort of thing in the past where you sort of think, yeah, but I know it's so right <laughs> and other people don't see it. That's, that's awesome. Interestingly to me there, Perry, you actually spoke about what I'm hearing is sensing there's, there's an element of almost not at least almost trusting the true you, but also at the same time conforming to oh, the system yeah. that you're operating within. Were those sort of you almost in, being pulled in yeah. you know, two directions? Is that part of that? Just yeah, definitely. So you think, so am I holding on to this or this perspective of right uh, because it, that's about me and therefore is leading somebody about them? So should I move nearer to them because that's what they need from me? And, and I'm not suggesting for a minute that you go into the realms of, yeah, but they don't know what they need. There, there genuinely are times when people aren't that sure and will default to a certain position. So that's where the inquiry thing comes in. And that's where perhaps the agency you can create is more helpful for them because it will give them the chance to, uh, you know, really articulate to you what they need rather than just this surface level thing, which I think is probably a little bit of a reaction to like, but you hold the badge, you do it like really <laughs> so the agency thing is perhaps a better way of, of describing it rather than leading so you're acting in agency with them rather than leading them that's fantastic one of the things I've seen you sort of write about and speak about quite quite a lot recently is this sort of network to teams approach yeah and does, does that sort of would you say that freedom center leadership plays as a strength into that sort of structure to some extent. I think it does yeah and, and and I suppose I'll look at my own my own role as a kind of consultant advisor and in in those areas where people are commissioning me to come and help them be like that and and then they want some direction from me or they want something particularly from me and I don't resist it but I I describe it as me being somebody who is creating the conditions for them to be confident in it so if that means i will be challenging or you know s offer some seriously leading advice then i'll do that but i still maintain that the ultimate decision is there so you know if somebody wants me to work on this slightly more fluid uh, method and i'll go great and they'll say yeah can you help us you know bulldoze governance i'm like really should I do that um, and then we'll have a conversation about that and we'll talk about how you can create this I suppose you'd say sort of compromised governance and I'll say look my view is yeah bulldoze it but it ain't about me it's your context I'm going to walk away from this 
in three months' time. You're going to live with it. I can't live with the fact that I'd set you up to either fail or create mayhem. So <laughs> let's work on what we do with that. So there's some responsibility on my part to act in a leading advisory role, but not lead it. Um, but I genuinely see that people become comfortable with that. So that's when I'll persist with that kind of line. If they're feeling a bit uncomfortable about it, I'll say, well, you know, if it's a challenge with a senior person, I'm quite happy to go in and be the sort of, you know, agitator um, to give you the bandwidth to do it. And that might be something they agree. And I have done that um, because, I, again, I come into it thinking, you know, they can fire me if you want. I don't really care because I'm just helping you get what you need. So that feels quite good for me to do that. And then they know that I'm doing a particular role to create the leadership that they need to um, um, manifest, yeah. Okay. So, so in, in terms of sort of, you know, in terms of challenges for freedom centered leadership in 2018 and beyond, what do you, but yeah. both for you, because again, you know, this is all about, I see you as a role model, you know, you are role modeling for me, freedom centered leadership. What do you feel for you and for those that want to be more egalitarian, more empowering, more inclusive? What are the big challenges of the day, Perry, do you think, the sort of top one or two things that yeah. in the workplace and maybe in society at large right now? So uh, uh, on a macro, socio-political, geo level, I mean, it's literally what are we seeing with this kind of surge of the right, which is a very much dominant, almost, you know, fascist dictator kind of model. And so people are saying, well, surely the contra to that isn't some soft and gentle version of leadership to counter that. Haven't you got to be just as firm but fair and, you know, provide the sort of, you know, benevolent dictate type thing? And I'm thinking, maybe you do, but I'm not, I'm not feeling that. Do you know what I mean? So I think that's a big challenge where people are looking to, you know, I'm not even going to say who they are, but you know, they are, and going, yeah. oh, but look at the leadership they're demonstrating and the, and the following they're gathering. I'm like, yeah, but that's a load of desperate fear going on there. So, so that's one big challenge. I think the other challenge, well, there's two more I can think of. One is pace and speed. And what a lot of people are so tuned into now is things got to be done really quickly. And if you're trying to invoke and create and generate a sustainable freedom-centered leadership approach, that feels like it's a real long haul. And people are going, I can't afford to wait that long. I've got to get this stuff going now. Otherwise, my shareholders or funders or you know government agenda is just going to collapse in on me. So that, that's a big challenge. Um, and then I think the third challenge is a semi-ironic one, really. It's about the fact that this stuff can feel a little bit cult-like. People can say, oh, look, it's now the cult of this. Um, so, so people can quite easily dismiss it and go, ah, but it's only for certain people. It's a bit of a cult, uh, and I think that is the language of people who are not just disbelievers, but are scared by that um, catching them out, showing them up. You know, they're comfortable, perhaps where they are, um, and this is going to provide a little bit of discomfort for them. They don't like it, so they want to talk people out of it. So I think, you know, the rise of the right and the fascist types—that's a challenge. The speed and pace, and then I think this last bit about cult—it's like it's easy to dismiss it as a cult, um, but I, you know, I, I sort of often look at those people and go, hmm, "That's quite a quick conclusion you made there. I wonder what's going on." <laughs> I, I love that. It's really interesting. We, we actually and Vicky run another um, World Workforce of the Future webinar this morning. Yeah, the things that came through. There's a lady on there, Paulina from Grantree, talking about you know holocracy, how they're. What was interesting, the themes that came back, Perry, time and time yeah. again, in the end, was all about self. You know, who is actually coming to work? The whole person, no masks. Yeah. Right. Here I am, Gary Turner. Here I am, Perry Timms. Um, I'm totally comfortable with that. Okay. You can say what you like, you can be what you like, but I am going to be me today. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 
just, just just seems to be there's just wide swathes of people that just aren't being that. No. To some extent, there must, there's also that link about sort of being true to yourself, isn't there, in terms of freedom, yeah. in terms of leadership, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and I think going back to the socio-political geo thing that I mentioned earlier on, I think there are a lot of people who feel a bit lost because they identify with something that's had a significant degree of privilege and dominance, and that feels like it's under threat. So they're attaching themselves even more tightly to that, and that's giving them a sense of identity and purpose that they think is good. But really, it's just masking the fact that you know that there's a real insecurity there um, about their p position in the world because they don't really know who they are. So, like you know, I firmly believe that things like you know fascist beliefs and racism and sexism and all that, they are learnt behaviours. We we're not born like that. Yeah. We're born with a huge yeah. sense of, um, of you know, colour blind, age blind, gender blind, whatever you want to call it, and we learn how to be divisive. So we can classically unlearn that. Um, but people are feeling the fear, don't want to learn that that's a good way to be, and are jumping on the opposite side of that particular spectrum. Uh, and we've got to watch that. That's dangerous stuff. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for sharing that. In terms of sort of you again you as Perry Timms and what you're going to do for yourself in the next one yeah. two three years what do you see as the the focus areas for you personally what are you working on what are you looking yeah. to try and improve or continuously develop and enhance such that you continue to be the freedom center leader that you are or you continue to empower and inspire yeah. people like me like you do in the mm. future thanks so I firmly see myself as uh, somebody with enough um, credibility perhaps in the in the HR professional world to um, to look very deeply into people's um, uh, ways of operating and, and, and agendas and, and ambitions and all that kind of stuff and, and help them decouple from this policing, restrictive, prohibitive function to a much more enabling humanist uh, and, and, you know, with, with almost like, you know, the invisible shield of well-being uh, coming through and creating something in, in the workplace that's much more powerful. So if, if you know, if, if nothing else, then I think there's something about creating a, a stir in, in HR people which is like yeah I don't I don't want to be that anymore I want to be this thing that helps people um, realize their own ambitions and it is in service of what the business is there to do so I'd, I'd like to think that's that's a three-year kind of horizon that if I spend all my time doing that I'd be I'd be happy um, and, and obviously I want to see positive results in it but I realize you know, we're entrenched quite deeply in um, you know several uh, decades of an HR practice which is done a lot of good but also you know boxed us in a bit um so there's quite a lot to uh, undo on that one i guess in 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 a sort of salvation sense i see how quickly things can pivot and adapt and you know you only have to look at how quickly a scandal viralizes to then corrective act you know starbucks restaurant right straight away we're going to shut all our restaurants for half a day we're going to do some training we're not going to let this go now you know that might have taken months in the past but they had to act in hours and deliver a solution within days because people expect that now so if that's the both expectation and the rapid uh, nature of deployment then maybe we can see hr turn itself around pretty quickly um what's fortunate is the people that are sort of drawn to me are people who want that anyway and i'm helping them do so um so i think that's my horizon so i guess really it's a kind of version of freedom-centered leader uh, principle but within a function um 
which has its acute focus on people um, and you know has to do with some serious persuading to the ops directors of this world and the finance directors of this world and whatever. Um, but I think when we start getting good numbers and good um, science, um, then some confidence, I, th I think we can find up a ground. I, I already see people, um, particularly in the private uh, public sector, who are like, look, we know what the budgets are. Um, we just need to get on with stuff. So they're, they're almost saying to the finance people, you don't really have any power because we know we haven't got any money. So so just shut up and forget it. And we're getting on with stuff. And I really like that. <laughs> so yeah. I think the more I see of that, the more I want to be part of that. Oh, that's, that's, that's fantastic. Well, look, is there anything else you'd like to add at this stage? Any other general viewpoints before we sort of wrap up? So I've sort of had you for nearly half an hour, which I'm very grateful for. Thank you. Any sort of general message, because I'd also like you to obviously mm. let people know, very, those that don't know you, um, yeah. you know, let, let people know how to get hold of you okay. because you know I was very grateful to be included, of course, in your your book, Transformational HR. So how's how's that going? How are the sales going? How's, yeah. how's yeah. the response? The messages? Yeah, I think so. So uh, I suppose what's what's encouraging about it is when when you write a book like that, you kind of have an ambition for it, which is like, yeah, I want it to do some good in the world. I want it to provoke a little bit of something, um, and it is. And you sometimes then think, oh, but it might land a bit badly with people and I might get a bit torn apart by it. Touch wood so far, I, I haven't had that. I've had a few people who have said, not sure about this bit, but, you know, open-minded. So I think that's gone down pretty well. Um, I suppose my latest big thing is this whole human energy and the design of workplaces that I'm really now starting to obsess about. And and so I suppose my, my sort of parting shot really is for people to really genuinely consider things like design thinking and human-centered design as not just trendy new things like disruption and all that kind of stuff. Don't do that. Don't pop culturize and play with these things. If you get hold of them, work with people and make it a very sincere and genuine and heartfelt thing that's going to make a positive difference to people. Um, so I wouldn't want anybody to be dismissive of anything I'm doing just because they think I'm jumping on some trendy bandwagon mm -hmm. it's like just because of the time of it and the fact that other people are talking about it doesn't mean i'm getting caught up in that cult mentality yeah. what it means yeah. is i found something that genuinely stokes my fire and i can genuinely see this big, big huge opportunity to humanize workplaces and get people out of this doldrum kind of existence and it's like, so So if I get criticised for those kind of things, I can take that really to heart and it can have a couple of impacts on me. It can mean I get angry about it, which I don't like, and it means I can get a little bit withdrawn and disappointed by it, which equally I don't like. I'm not saying people shouldn't challenge me, I'm just saying think about what's behind it before you start taking the person on. Um, and so, yeah, so I think you know, we can do with a little bit more togetherness rather than a lot more separation and pulling them apart. No, lo lo lovely way to, to wrap up, Perry. Thank you for that. And uh, yeah, with you on that one. Let's get a little bit more uh, collective as well as individual, eh? Yeah, good way. Totally. Oh, wonderful. So do you, do you just want to wrap up, actually? appreciate your time. Do you want to let people know how they can get hold of you, social media, email, yeah, website? Yeah, of course. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, before I do, so you know, credit to you for you uh, making the tradition you're making. So whilst I'm the sort of person that might connect you to certain things, the amount of gusto you put into go for them puts most people to shame. So um, it would be nice for people to know and recognise that actually you you really are a sort of full-on individual when you get that kind of head of steam up. So it's something to admire. Um, yes, yeah, so obviously on Twitter at Perry Timms, um, LinkedIn obviously. Um, website pthr.uk. Uh, I blog on Medium. Um, there's some YouTube stuff about me. Um, I'm not 
I don't, I'm not that difficult to find, which is quite nice. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm on conference stages quite a bit. Um, the new TEDx might come out in a couple of weeks or months. Um, yeah, I, I'm sort of dotted around in a good way. I don't want to be, you know, sort of uh, annoying uh, like some kind of, you know, Gangnam style thing. But equally, I think it's quite nice that people can stumble across you quite easily and and, and get who you are and what you stand for. But um, yeah, equally massively approachable. So um, you know, wherever I am at whatever event, and people might come across me. I, I like it when people will come over and just go. You know, when you talk about this, can you tell me about? That? I love that. So I'm really open for people to just keep keep riffing with me, as they say. Um, and uh, yeah, and obviously people like you are helping share some of the philosophies that I got. So uh, thank you to everybody who does that. That's brilliant. Well, I think as this is going into um, some sort of time bank in a thousand years, Perry, I think I'll just put a little final note on this for, for anybody that is does spare half an hour to watch this chat that you and I have just had. So Perry and I met randomly in a the Albert Dock um, um, was it in or Holiday Inn um, Holiday around in three, two or three years ago, where I literally saw Perry Timms at the bar with a few friends. Mm. She turned around and went, I think that's Perry Timms from Twitter. <laughs> Sent a tweet. Perry turned around. Oh, you're Gary. Hello, hello, Perry. And that's <laughs> actually that serendipity. There's serendipity oh, for you. So <laughs> that's now in the time bank forever. So look, Perry, thank you very much for the time. Thank your, you your time, mate. Much appreciated. Pleasure. And, uh, we'll pick up again soon. Cheers, mate. Fantastic. Take care, Perry. Bye. Thanks. Bye. You have to stop. Hi, this is your host again, Gary Turner, just wrapping up the fantastic podcast with Perry Timms. Just a few takeaways for me that I, I really, yeah, really appreciated and I'm considering quite deeply are three main things. First being inclusivity versus exclusivity. So in the sort of world of work right now with the polarisation that we, that we see, you know, genuinely making the world an inclusive place and therefore driving the ability to be diverse Get, get diversity of thought, counter-group think, etc., is really one of the biggest challenges of our time, I think. And this was really, really brought to life for me by Candice Cross from BT at the HRD Summit um, in February of this year when she used that very statement, we cannot be diverse unless we are first inclusive. And this makes me think of the fantastic work being done by Joe Candola, um, who runs a business called The Bias Gym, who has a PhD in gender bias, and of course the work by Nilifer Merchant as well. Um, her book Onlyness is one of the best books I've read in uh, in quite a long time, so can, can fully recommend that. The other two things as well I'm thinking about is also listening. So how often do people truly take the time to listen? Um, we, we're all under so much pressure. We all believe that we do not have the time, but in the end we have we do have the time. We just choose what to do with that time. And I think freedom-centered leadership, and I think sort of Perry alluded to that, and it's something I firmly believe in, is that we do have the time. It's just how do we choose that? And it's not always easy. Um, to say no, to uncommit from different um, things that we've committed to, but ultimately listening deeply, truly connecting to each other as human beings is going to be a differentiator, a USP, I feel, in the future, and, and key for FCLs. And finally, the power of networks and collaboration. Um, Perry himself introduced me to a book called The Seventh Sense by Joshua Cooper Ramo. I'm sort of a quarter of the way through it. It's quite a difficult read at times. Um, it's, it's a really deep reality check regarding some of the things such as terrorism, um, you know, the polarity and the rise of the right, etc., something that Perry speaks about 
is you know this stuff isn't going away in the short term but i think the more that we can connect as human beings the more that we can be true to ourselves that we can increase the level of transparency that we're seeing through things you know such as the me too movement for example you know the, the news travels fast these days and perry used the example of starbucks and how quickly that situation was remedied and i think we can use that positively for the better as a society but also for the world of work so i hope you enjoyed the talk and, and the podcast i absolutely loved it i thought it was fantastic and um, yeah please do offer some feedback to terry and uh, to perry and i that'd be greatly appreciated thank you